Let's pray. How about that? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to sit in your presence and uh, to lean into what it is that you have to say. I don't believe anybody's here by accident. I believe we're here by divine purpose and that you're opening our hearts and our souls so that you may speak life into us, that whatever uh, awaits us outside these doors, may you prepare us for that here in this space as we take a, a pause in our schedule, in our plans, in our hustle, and we wait to hear from you. So we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. With your permission this morning, I'd like to mess with your Sunday. Do I have your permission to mess with your Sunday? I don't want to just mess with this Sunday. I'd like to mess with the, the, the last 30 Sundays of your year, if that's okay. Is that okay? What about Sunday forever? Can I mess with the word Sunday for you for the rest of your life? See, here's what I know about Sunday is it's a very special day. You know that because you're here in this space. But what we know about the days of the week is that when the Romans were naming the days of the week, they named Sunday Dia Solis or uh, Day of the Sun. And once the Roman Empire turned Christian, they changed it uh, to mean the Lord's Day. They changed it to Dominica, which is the Lord's Day or the Day of the Lord. And throughout history, since the changing of the name, we've started to observe this day of rest or this day of Sabbath or this day set aside for the Lord. That Sunday is special. And growing up, uh, I grew up in a church and my dad was a pastor and he would never go anywhere uh, on Sundays. He didn't want to make other people work, even though he worked. So I don't know how that worked out, but he wanted to make sure that we were not making other people work because he wanted to make this day special. He wanted to set aside. Uh, I pastor a church now, and so I work on Sundays, and I've moved my Sabbath to another day. But the idea is that there is this beautiful opportunity for us to pause, for us to take a pause in our, our schedules, in our busyness, in our hurry, and for us to lean into what it means to rest, because that's what I want us to talk about, and I'd like to get my face off the screen sooner than later. The idea is that we... We need rest. Do you know? Do you know that you are the most tired generation of all time? Now, I think this is weird because I don't know where you live, but depending on the neighborhood, you don't have to hunt for your food. Uh, you don't have to churn your own butter. Uh, you're not worried about being, you know, chased down by a lion. Like, we have all the amenities and cushions of, of being, you know, really nice, comfortable people, yet we have been described as the most tired generation. Statistically, we get less than six hours of sleep per night, right? So the idea is that we are exhausted. Burnout has now become a medical diagnosis, that we are just spinning our wheels as human beings. We are constantly striving to do more and accomplish more and to achieve more in the time that we've been given. But what we do not understand is we do not understand the principle of rest. We don't understand what it looks like or means for us as human beings to stop and to rest because we're caught up in the society that's demanding more of us. If you allow your job to, it will work you 24 hours a day. You keep getting stuck and drawn in and sucked into this idea that more is demanded and more is required. We don't understand rest. Even worse, We've adopted through all of our hustle and hard work, we've adopted stress and anxiety and fear and worry as natural parts of our lives. You might call them by a nickname. You might call them by your job or your spouse. You might call them by your finances. But reality is that many of us, if not all of us, are struggling at some level with fear and worry and anxiety, depression. 
Because we don't understand rest, we don't understand how to slow down, we don't understand how to stop, we don't understand that the world is demanding too much of us, that you were not created or designed by God Almighty to move at the pace that life is demanding you move at. In fact, we are living at such a fast pace that our souls cannot even keep up to the pace of life that we're living, and we're starting to feel the effects. But what we've done as human beings is we've done a really good job of ignoring these effects. If you've owned a car, I assume many of you do, and you drive said car, and the brakes start to wear down, right? You get that squeak. It's really annoying, but I got some news for you. If you keep going, it'll stop. The noise stops, and the problem solves itself. It just quits, and then you can keep going. And I remember we were driving from uh, Nashville to Chattanooga one time, and there's like a 5% grade or 20% grade. It's steep. It's going downhill. And, uh, and I had let the, the squeak go out of our wheels. So I solved the fix, the problem. And, and we were driving, and I immediately knew as the car began to shake that we were in trouble. We survived. But the idea is that our lives are much like these squeaky brakes. There's signs and, and all over our life showing us that we've got to stop. We've got to slow down. We've got to wait a little bit, but we push through, we power through, and we ignore these warning signs until we come to a place of, uh, where we're unhealthy. And science keeps reinforcing the importance of rest as a way to maintain a healthy weight and get good sleep and build healthy relationships. There are all kinds of benefits to rest, but we don't care about those benefits, do we? Because we have a lot to accomplish. We have a lot to prove. There's a lot left to be done in our lives, and so we keep striving and working to prove ourselves until we can't work anymore. And so I believe today, as we talk about rest, that we have this opportunity to be reminded by God that we can pause, that we can all take a deep breath, that we can all slow down just a little bit and reevaluate and reprioritize, live with rhythm, live the way that God intended us to live, intended us to live with rhythm and pace, and a set speed where we're not in constant hurry and we're not constantly trying to prove ourselves. We're not constantly living stressed out and, and tired and, and full of worry and full of fear and anxiety where we're checking all of those emotions at the door and allowing God to come in to slow us down. Does that sound like something you need this morning? Nobody? We can pack it up. All right, let's keep going then. I need rest. I was talking with someone in between services, and they're like, what a timely word. And I said, yeah, I know. I'm still struggling with it too. Like, I haven't solved this. That I'm having a hard time with rhythm and pace and speed, even in my own life, but I understand through Scripture the importance of what God is trying to teach us. And so I've got one point for you this morning. Stop. That's my only point for you today, is stop. That I feel like this is the most difficult thing for us to do is stop. In fact, even hearing the sound, your, your mind probably begins to go, okay, but if I stop, what can I do while I'm stopped? You know, I can text, I can Snapchat, I can write lists. Like, there's things you can do when you stop. Like, what, what do you mean stop? If you stop at a stoplight, you've got like 30 seconds to get that text in before you have to go again. I think there's a gray area in the laws there. You stop. But I'm not inviting you to stop and keep working I'm not inviting you to work from home, and I'm not inviting you to catch up on laundry. I'm inviting you to stop, to stop for just a moment and reevaluate and look at our lives. But it's so difficult for us as human beings because many of us, we live with this I'll be happy when mantra. Anybody live with this mantra, the I'll be happy when? 
when I get the job, when I get that relationship, when I get that raise, when I retire, when I have kids, when my kids finally go off to college and stop mooching off of me, I'll be happy when, mantra. And so what we do is we work so hard to achieve these things and to get to this place. And there are times when we get there and we achieve what we wanted to achieve only to receive this momentary happiness, but to get swept right back into the hustle for more, to achieve more, to do more, to feel more validation, to feel more love, to, to, to put something out that someone can like or wave or check or thumbs up or whatever we do in social media now. The idea is that we're constantly trying and striving to feel this happiness, and we think if we can just reach this place, then I'll rest. And there's this saying that says, I'll rest when I'm dead which is great because you're going to be dead before the rest of us. So we'll be at your funeral and we'll remind you. See, the idea is that if we wait till rest until we're dead, there's going to be something deep inside of us that's going to die long before our physical bodies do. But see, I believe God wants to revitalize our soul, to replenish what the world keeps taking and to set us on the course that he's called for us to be on so that we can do more and accomplish more in the time that we work if we'll understand the importance of rest. The problem, though, is if we don't take the time to slow down, we're going to blow through our lives. We're going to miss what God's already doing. See, a lot of us, we're waiting for the, for the, the big, the cosmic, the, the magical things to happen in our lives, and we're missing the, 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 the right there, the right here, and the now. We're waiting for the monumental, and we're missing the in the moment. And I think so many of us, myself included, are caught up in what's next, that we miss what's right in front of us, and we can't be grateful for what we have in front of us if we're always wanting what's next. And there's been times when I've sat in, in the floor playing cards with my daughter, and it's been this beautiful moment where I should have been able to appreciate and, and lean into it and rest in it. And instead, I'm busy checking my phone, Instagram, again, because one person posted something in that time, or my text, because I hear that haunting tone or an email, and it takes me out of what's important into what I think is more important, and it's not. And a lot of us, we live without gratitude because we're constantly wanting what's next, and we're missing the moment that God has for us here and now. See, stopping is terribly difficult. It's terribly difficult because we have this inner narrative that keeps playing. Uh, we checked into a hotel down the road Friday, and my kids, uh, my boys, they're at uh, kids camp. They're coming back probably today. And uh, so we're waiting for them. And uh, we check them in. My wife and my daughter, we go and we check in. We, we grab some dinner. We hit, you know, go to bed. And then we get up the next morning. And uh, I get up early. I'm also on Eastern time. So that's like four or five hours earlier, I think, than normal. And so I get up really early and I do my regular stuff. My family wakes up and they have breakfast. And we're sitting there at the table. It's like six in the morning. And uh, I said, uh, what do you guys want to do today? Because the moment my feet hit the ground, my brain was already going, what's next? What are we going to get into? We're in the great city of Nashville. You know, let's tear it up. Let's find something crazy to get into. So what are we going to do? And my wife said, I don't have any plans. And like, that didn't even register. Like, you know how you hear a word and you're like, that just, there's no memory or anything that your brain can file with that word? It's like, what? Like, she always has something to do. Like, I, what do you mean? And uh, so my daughter, she's got lots of plans. She said, let's go to the pool. It's seven in the morning, you know, it's 30 degrees in the water. So we get in the pool. And do you know that we spent the entire day yesterday in the pool, chasing the sun, trying to keep from getting burnt and, and just doing nothing. And it was crazy. Because rest is not just practical, rest is actually spiritual. 
deeply spiritual. That nap you take or that Netflix show you want to binge watch or that beach trip you keep putting back, it could actually be a spiritual act, a spiritual principle. If we'll understand the importance of rest, we'll actually be obeying scripture and leaning into the way that God's already called us to live. But one reason we can't stop is because we imagine that whatever we're doing right now is the most important thing in the world. It's been scientifically proven that our brains are almost, I think it's 50 or 60% of the time, thinking about what they're not doing or what they need to be doing or what they want to be doing versus what they're doing. So I think it's a 50% of you right now are thinking about what's next and not the moment that you're in. It's also been proven that you're happiest when you're thinking about the moment that you're in. So what's happening is 50% of you are already thinking about lunch. Now that I've said lunch, that's probably like 80% of you now are already thinking about lunch and you're not leaning into the moment here. And what happens is we're not able to be happy because we're not able to live in the moment. So by bringing your focus and attention back to what's going on right now where you're sitting in the seat in this room, I've actually made you happier, so you're welcome. The idea is, the idea is that if we'll stop and allow ourselves to reflect, feel gratitude, and understand what God has already given us, it's not that we don't keep working for more, it's not that we don't keep wanting more, it's not that we don't still hustle, but it's that we take a pause in our lives to allow God to speak to us, to replenish us, and to help us. And even God... He understood and he knew how to rest and he modeled rest for us in Genesis 2, verse 2. We know that God had just created the earth and it says, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, which by the way was creating the world. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. The word rest in this passage is translated into Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. It's a really fun word. The word is Sabbath, that God Sabbathed. He created and he imagined and he dreamed and he called and then he rested. So here's the deal. I don't, I don't know what you do for a living. I mean, I know what a couple of you do, but I'm still pretty fuzzy on that. I don't know what you do for a living, but I do know that until you have done more and worked harder than God, until you have created a universe, until you have created mankind, a sun and a moon, until you have spoke existence, we cannot say that we're too busy to rest. That God set the tone by creating infinitely more than we could ever imagine, and even God had time to rest. That God understood what it meant to work hard, but he also meant, he understood what it meant to stop and to reflect and to show contentment and to rest. And if you go back and you read, it says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he Sabbathed. He Sabbathed. Not only did he rest, but he blessed the day for rest so that all mankind from Adam all the way down to you and me, we would understand the importance of a Sabbath, that we would understand the importance of rest, See, I think God knew that we would live in a world that would be so fast-paced and so demanding that we would have to have this reminder. 
I think God knew that we would create a culture where if you text someone and they don't text you immediately back, you assume they've passed away. I think God knew that we would live in a culture that we would constantly be needing affirmation and attention from other people. He knew that our workspaces would require seven days a week round the clock care. He knew that we would live busy lives. And so he set the tempo. He set the tone and he said, look, I'm going to create everything, but I'm also going to rest. I'm going to do all of this work, but I'm also going to take a pause. See, culturally, we've been observing this rest. Since the 19th century, we've been observing it on a Sunday. Growing up, we observed it on a Sunday. Uh, But because I work on Sunday and I'm I'm working now, thanks for coming to my job, I'm here. Uh, The idea is that since I work on Sunday, I take a Sabbath on a Friday. But there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, nuances that took place, a lot of religions and denominations that formed out of this adherence to what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath, the seventh day, is a Saturday. There's no arguing it. Uh, I mean, if we can, we can argue it in the parking lot later. I'll stick around. But Sunday's the first day of the week, which is a beautiful opportunity to rest. But the idea is that we've created this legalistic uh, mindset around observing the Sabbath. And if you look at Matthew 12, it says, uh, Jesus is speaking, he says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That Jesus is speaking, he's saying that he is Lord of the Sabbath, and because he is Lord of the Sabbath, he squashed the legalism surrounding our observance. It does not mean that we don't still observe, we've been commanded to. But Jesus came and he says, I am the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath because he is the Sabbath. He is the deep rest that our souls long for. He is that really good nap that when you wake up, you don't feel groggy and wonder what time it is. He is that good rest that we all search for but haven't seemed to find because we've been looking everywhere else for what Jesus has offered us right here, that he is the Sabbath. And I'm thankful that he did away with the legalistic side of the Sabbath because we need round-the-clock police officers and, and fire and nurses and doctors and Mexican restaurants. We need access to important things seven days a week. We cannot have a day where everyone says, no, we need everybody to stagger their Sabbath day so that we can continue to survive and live, and I'm so thankful. But Jesus didn't just come to take away the legalistic side. He came to be our Sabbath, and so God blessed the day. But in order for us to adhere to the Sabbath, in order for us to observe it, we have to be willing to surrender. I don't know if you like the word surrender, but I hate it. I just don't like the word surrender. It feels like giving up. But I believe in order for us to truly adhere to the Sabbath, we have to surrender to the reality that we're not in control. We have to surrender to the reality that there are things taking place outside of what we're able to control and manufacture. And I despise this idea because I love control. Anybody like control? Nobody wants to admit it. Good. Raise your hand. See how much I love control. Yes. See, I love to control and I love to be in charge and I love to be the one who's who's making things happen. I love because it makes me feel like I'm in power. But what's so fascinating is in the grand scheme of things, I am in control of nothing. But God is in control of everything. And the sooner I realize that and surrender to him, I'm able to find rest. When I realize that there's only so much I can do in my own effort. But anything outside of what I'm capable of doing, what God has created me to do, I've got to give to him. All of a sudden, then I begin to find great rest. But there's something, always something waiting to steal that rest from you. 
There's always something waiting to steal your, your peace and to steal your rest and to steal away from you what God has given you. So anytime you, you plan to observe a Sabbath, be prepared for distraction. There's gonna be something trying to take that away from you. But God knew for a fact that we would need a break. Encoded in our DNA, he knew that we would need rest. Do you ever, you ever think about, I think about weird stuff. Do you ever think about um, why you need to sleep at night? Like, God created us. What, he couldn't just create us just to keep going? Like, is it like kids do? Isn't it weird that, like, he created us to need sleep? Like, we didn't need rest, but he wanted us to rest. He wanted us to take a good 8 to 10, 12 hours of our day and sleep. He built us to need rest. So why do we keep fighting it? Why do we keep trying to figure out how to circumvent this, this way that we've been created? God knew that we would need this space and pause to allow our souls to catch up to the pace of life that we're living. Anybody ever run downhill? Run downhill like when you were a kid maybe or yesterday, like you run downhill. There's really something exhilarating about running downhill at first. It's like, yes, look what I'm doing. And then, then maybe halfway through, your head starts moving faster than your feet, and you're just trying to survive at that point. You're just trying not to fall and embarrass yourself or break something. You just, you're just trying to keep upright. See, I think a lot of us are living like that. I think that's how a lot of us are living. We're living so fast that at some point, our heads are moving faster than our feet. We can't keep up. Our souls are not capable of keeping up to the pace of life that we live. And if we don't stop, we'll fall. And a lot of, a lot of temptation comes in those moments where we're exhausted, physically, emotionally, mentally exhausted, where the enemy knows how to, how to work his way into our lives when we're the most vulnerable. He waits for us to not observe the Sabbath long enough to where we're so tired that we can't resist and temptation then slides its way in. So we owe it to ourselves and to the people around us to be well rested, to understand this deep spiritual principle. But it's not just a spiritual principle, that rest is actually a commandment. It's a, one of the 10. Can anybody name some of the 10 commandments? Yep, those are some of them probably. There's 10. <laughs> one of them's rest. And I think it's fascinating that, that God gives us 10 major commandments. And one of them's rest. And in Exodus 20, verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, that you are to labor six days and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work you, your sons or daughters, your male or female slaves, your livestock or the foreigner who lives within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. This concept or this idea of a Sabbath or rest was so vital to God that he included it in the Ten Commandments. It's up there with don't kill people. Like, we know that one's bad. It's up there with don't commit adultery. It's up there with don't steal. Like, these are huge things. And then there's take a nap. There's rest. There's take a break. Somehow, and I'm thankful, but somehow we've managed to get the other commandments right. I would assume we're not out committing crimes and doing horrible things. But we've been able to ignore this one that this is the one commandment that I feel like is critical for us to understand so that we can stay healthy and sharp in order to observe the others. But it says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. 
not because it's holy, but our honoring of the Sabbath, our observance of the Sabbath is what makes it holy. It's our response to the way that God has created us that makes it holy. It doesn't say remember that Sabbath because it's holy. It says to keep it holy. And it goes on and it says, uh, it says for us to uh, keep it holy. That we don't just remember it, but we have to keep it holy. And some of that means we have to fight. We've got to fight to keep it holy. It's not enough to just assume that that day is going to be holy. Or that day is going to be unique or it's going to be different. We have to fight to make that day holy. But we also have to remember it. We can't bypass it or skip it. That when, when God rested, what happened was when God rested, he had already worked. And he found deep satisfaction in the work that he had created. See, God was able to rest on the seventh day because he worked the other six. So there's something very unique. And I think one of the reasons why we can't stop is because we're never content as human beings. We're never content. And most of the work that we find ourselves doing is done to prove ourselves to other people. Most of the work that we find that we're doing is done to receive validation. If I can do more, I am more. If I can get more, I am more. If I can be more, then I'll be valued more. And a lot of what we find ourselves doing, the image that we portray, the vibe that we try to put out, the work that we try to broadcast to the world, which is really just a a, a big promotion of who we are and how awesome we can be, is done to try to receive what God has already given us unconditionally, which is love and acceptance. That I think a lot of us are never content with our work because we're seeking the approval of man when we're forgetting that we've already been given approval by God. And we can't rest until we receive appropriate amounts of approval. But when we understand that God already approves of you, that you don't have to prove yourself to him. You just have to surrender to him. Then you can rest knowing that you're already validated, that you're already loved unconditionally, that we can rest knowing that God already approves of us and sees us as more. But it's fascinating to me, as you look back through history, that it wasn't but just several decades ago that we actually broadcasted our uh, laziness or our uh, lack of, of, of social uh, calendar activities, we broadcasted it as a way to seem cool. So if I didn't have anything going on, I would advertise it. Hey, I don't have to work today. Hey, I'm off this month. Hey, I'm taking a vacation. And we would see that as a positive thing. Flash forward to today, and we actually value busyness over rest. We actually advertise and flaunt the fact that we're too busy, that we don't have time to do what we want to do. We end up uh, apologizing for the vacations that we take, right? Somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm going to the beach this week. And you go, oh, I'm so sorry. Did you lose your job? Like, do you have nothing else to do? I feel so bad for you because my calendar is completely full. I wish I could go to the beach too. And it's interesting because I was writing this message and, uh, and I got a Marco Polo from a friend. Anybody Marco Polo? Cool, it's like a social thing, whatever. He sent me a message. And uh, he sent me a message, he was at the swimming pool. And uh, he you know, just showed me the pool, and, and I was not, I was at work at the time. And uh, he sends me this message, and, and my immediate Marco Polo response, maybe it's Polo since I'm responding, uh, was, hey, way to go, man, way to work really hard today. There's just sarcasm, because I'm that way sometimes. There's this idea, though, that my initial immediate response to seeing somebody at the pool was sarcastic. Oh, you're not going to work today, huh? All right. Thing is, the guy actually works really hard. He's 
He's got grease under his nails. He runs a company. He's, he's doing well. He's hustling. He works hard. But my response couldn't be, hey, great job. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you end up, you know, getting some appropriate sun or whatever. I couldn't respond that way. My immediate response was, oh, man, you're not going to work today, huh? I guess I'll work for you and me both. And I'm writing this message knowing how important it is because as human beings, we can't celebrate when other people find rest. Because instead of broadcasting how much rest we're able to get, we have to broadcast how busy we can be because we feel like that somehow elevates us and our social status. But that's not how God intended us to live. That's not how God created us to be. That a different way to view rest is to be satisfied with your work, your family, and your life. When God rested, he was able to rest because he found deep contentment with all that he had created. So when was the last time you felt deep contentment? Just this inner contentment with the life that you've been given, with the salary that you make, with the family that you have. I'm not saying that we shouldn't still hustle or work. We'll get to that. But I do feel like in the process, we should find a stopping place to go, hey, there's deep contentment here. You know, when God finished creating heaven and earth, he stopped and he said everything that he had created was good. He reflected back on all of his work and he said it was good. See, what we do more often than not is we reflect back on our work and we critique it. It could have been better. I could have done more. There's more to be done. I can't stop and critique this. I've got to keep creating. I've got to keep dreaming. I've got to keep moving. Because all society is waiting for us to just keep producing. But it's so critical that we understand this principle of rest so that we can be more productive in the other six days. See, the reality is that uh, rest is not laziness. That rest is not laziness. And I think that's the stereotype that rest gets is that you're lazy. But it's not laziness. And in Exodus 20, verse 9, it says, You are to labor six days and do all your work. Not only do the Ten Commandments tell us not to murder and covet and steal, not only do the Ten Commandments tell us to rest, but the Ten Commandments, they snuck this one in, so it's really 11. They said, work, right? Work. The Ten Commandments snuck in work. It isn't actually a commandment. It's not one we want to hear. It's not one that we love, but it is a commandment that we've been given. See, work has been encoded into our DNA as well. When you look at uh, God's creation uh, in, in Genesis, and you look at Adam, the first man who's placed in this utopian society that is the Garden of Eden, and you look at how God created man and what he purposed man to do, he didn't give man a ukulele and a, and a cold drink. He gave him work. There, God has created the perfect scenario. And he placed man in the middle of work. Not just any work. He said, tend to the garden from the east to the west. You thought your yard was bad. Adam had the whole planet. By the time he tended one side, he had to go to the other. And not only that, but God started stacking it. All of a sudden, Adam's not just tending to the garden, but now he's naming animals. So we had this discussion at my church one time, or a couple weeks ago, about the afterlife. And uh, me and this other gentleman, we, we presented a strong theological argument for what happens when we die. And one of the questions, we took Q&A, and one of the questions was, will there be work in heaven? And with all of our research, we both concluded that there would be work in heaven. Why would there not be work in heaven if there was work here on earth when God created man in the Garden of Eden? You may disagree, and that's fine. But the reality is that you have been commanded to work at least here for six days so that you can rest on the seventh. 
And I believe that we get more out of the six days if we'll adhere to rest than we would if we plowed straight through. That God understood and knew the rhythm of our lives. And in Exodus 20, 10, it continues. It said, but the Sabbath day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. That rest is not a call to laziness, but it's a call to reprioritize our lives. Anybody's life a little out of, out of order? Your priority is just a little out of whack. Or maybe something, it seemed like it was going to be important, but it's not as important as the value you've placed upon it. Rest is an opportunity for us to reevaluate the way that God has called us to live and what he's called us to do and how he's called us to use our time. That in order for us to be better in time of work, we must adhere to rest. And in Exodus 20, 11, it continues. It says, for the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Now, when first read, this feels a little braggadocious, doesn't it? It's like, okay, you got that. You've created all this stuff in six days. I get it. You're God. That's fantastic. But I don't believe it's God bragging about what he can do or what he has done. I think God is reminding us that he created all of these things in just six days. So he is so much bigger than whatever issue we're going through, whatever problem we're trying to solve, whatever circumstances we're trying to navigate, that if a God who can create heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, he's got whatever we can bring to him. Whatever problem we can face, he's got it. He's bigger than that. So we surrender to him. We stop and we allow him to take control. That this is a reminder that God is bigger than us. So stop trying to manufacture and try to control and allow God to do what God can do. But he knew long before he created us that man would need a Sabbath, a pause. But another reason why we can't stop is because we keep so much noise around us that it prevents us from hearing what God wants to say to us. You know noise is just another way to keep from dealing with the issues that we have in our lives? I get in my car in the mornings, and I uh, turn on the radio, and I drive to work, and I go to my office, and I put on a record, because that's the kind of guy that I am, and uh, I will have something playing, and when the record's done, I'll find uh, something that can make noise, and when I go home, we have noisemakers in our home, so our kids will sleep and be quiet, and, and, and I have a TV on, and I have constant chaos and noise, and all the time, I don't want to hear silence. I fight actively to hear silence, but do you know that God is in the silence? That God is in the silence. And many times we resist silence in our hearts, metaphorically and practically. And in our inability to create silence, we miss what God is trying to say and where he's trying to lead us. That we mask our lives with busyness and chaos. We mask our hurts and our pains and our struggles with noise. We mask all of these things so that we don't have to deal with them. But what rest does is it forces us to deal with the heart of the issue is that we don't trust God sometimes. I mean, we might not actually say that because that feels like heresy, but we live as if we don't trust God. We live as if we're the ones who can control our circumstances and situations better than God can. And so we allow stress and anxiety and worry and fear to, to be a natural uh, part of our lives when it was never how we were created to live, that God is in the silence but a big part of rest is not just a nap or a, another vacation. 
Because I don't know if you've ever gone on vacation and it ended up being more work to go on vacation than it did to stay home. I don't know if you've ever gone on vacation and come back and went, man, I need another vacation. Taking a day off and gone, I wish I could take another day off. Taking a nap and gone, I'm ready for bed. Watch a Netflix show and think I should watch 10 more. The idea is that that rest is so much more than just a quick break, but it's actually a replenishing of your resources. That if you work the way that God has called us to work six days, your resources will be deplenished. You will need your, your soul to be refreshed. And if we don't rest and we don't receive that refreshment or we rest inappropriately, then we'll end up wearing ourselves down much further. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The translation for the word rest in this passage is refreshment. That when you read this again using the word refreshment, it says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you refreshment. Isn't that beautiful? That I need refreshment. You need refreshment. See, I can feel sometimes when my soul, imagine it being here, it's not, that's my stomach, but I imagine that my soul gets dry and it gets worn out and it needs refreshing. And if I keep going to all the wrong sources to try to get refreshment, I'll come up empty. In some ways, I'll come up worse than I started. But it's the moment we surrender control of our lives, understand that we must rest and understand that rest can only be found in God that we actually begin to reap the benefits of this commandment, that we receive rest in a way that we never thought possible. It's better than a nap. There's not much better than a nap, but this is better than a nap. It's this deep contentment with the life that God has given us. See, the Hebrew people from an early age were taught about this island. They were given a word picture of an island, and they were taught that this island is the island of peace. And they were taught to defend their island of peace. They were taught to fight to protect their island of peace. But they weren't just taught to protect their island of peace. They were taught to bring everyone they know and love onto their island of peace. See, I wonder if you've created an island of peace in your life. I wonder if you've worked hard enough to, to fight, to protect, and to, to bring other people into that island. See, I want us to be Sabbath protectors protectors or keepers, Sabbath keepers. I want us to be people who can, who can actively fight to find peace and to keep peace. Knowing that it's found in God, we have to work because there's always going to be something or someone ready to steal your peace from you. And it might be waiting for you right now. You may have received a text in this room while you were sitting here and you're like, I got to deal with this. You might have gotten 10 emails and you're like, I'm going to have to address this. And I get it. I understand. The world needs our attention. But if you don't pace yourself and set a schedule and take care of yourself, the world won't have you any longer. That we owe it to ourselves and to the people around us to find rest. That if you don't do it for you, do it for the people around you. That your family, the people that you work with or work for, they deserve you at your best. But you're not at your best if we keep running ourselves dry. If we don't go to the well of Christ and keep getting refreshment. So that's what I want us to do this morning. In the remaining few minutes that we have together... What I want us to do is I want us to understand the promise of rest that comes from Christ, but I want us to stop. 
I want us to create a space right here and now before we leave and we, we go back into that fast-paced world of traffic and, and, and things that demand of us, that I want us just to pause. So if you would, I'd like for you just to set everything aside that may be in your lap or in your hands or uh, around you. Any distraction that might be around you, I want you just to set it down. And I want us to create a moment where we give God all those things that cause us worry and stress and fear and anxiety. Now I know some of you, you're you're harboring, you're hanging on to, you're holding on to things that are really challenging and tough, and I get it. God knows, and he's there with you. It's one of the most beautiful things about following Christ is that he doesn't remove us from problems, but he goes through those problems with us. And so I know there are things that I can't even comprehend that you're dealing with, but God can so I want us just to take a few moments. If you would, just close your eyes where you sat and you can, you can place your hands, palms up or palms down on your lap. And I want us to do something that I have found deep meaning in and I've found deep rest in. And it's this word meditation. I believe the world has stolen this word, but I believe we can reclaim it that the scriptures over 21 times talk about meditating on God's precepts, meditating on the scripture, meditating on the word of God, meditating on Christ himself. And so that's what I want us to do. So I want everybody just to take a deep breath in. And you can breathe right back out. And I want you to breathe in again, and I want you to recognize how your pattern of breathing, and your, you can feel the air on your lip, and you can feel your chest moving as you breathe in and out, your lungs increasing and decreasing as we breathe. We understand that breath comes to us from God Almighty, the one who created the universe, put breath in your lungs. And he's calling for you to surrender in this moment. He's calling for you to trust him, not in a few things, but in all things. So we surrender. We acknowledge to God that we're not in control, but he is. So as you take a deep breath in and back out, I want you to begin to imagine those things that cause you worry and stress. Imagine those things that are, that are plaguing you, those things that you know need to be done, but you haven't got to them yet. I want you to begin to imagine yourself, visually picture yourself handing those things back over to God. Saying, God, I give you these things. I've been holding on to them because I haven't trusted you enough, but I give them back over to you. They're not mine to hold on to. I give them over to you. As we begin to visualize those things that invade our rest, things that steal from us our peace, we imagine God beginning to take those things from us. Father, we give these things to you. We surrender, we sacrifice. Father, we repent of the sin of worry. And even though we're grateful that we have people in our lives to worry about and jobs to stress over, we recognize you're in control. So enable us to live unhurried lives, resting and communing with you. Father, open our eyes to see whatever your spirit is showing us. Open our ears to hear whatever your spirit is saying to us. Quiet our hearts with your songs of love and draw our mind to focus on things above and not on empty human concerns. So may that which blesses us become a blessing to others. 
Father, may we seek to find rest and peace in you. But may it become our mission to help others find rest and peace in you as well. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for creating a world that's so wonderful and beautiful, but creating a perfect rhythm for us to adhere to. So forgive us where we have gotten off track, but help us to reprioritize our lives so that we may make rest a natural part of our rhythm. So Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.